Check. I like it, Micah. A little different. We're different this week. We're talking to you on Monday. Hello, everybody. Game of Bones. We're here. Game of Bones. Game of Bones. We here. are. <laughs> Got it out it's, it's, like it's like they've called us and we've just picked up the phone. Game of Bones. We're a podcast, guys. Thank you for listening. Podcast. We're a podcast. This is color? what you're listening to. <laughs> Hopefully, your favorite color is blood or white today. Or snow. Ooh. The color of snow. snow. Yes. Or your favorite color might be John Snow. That's not a color. He, that's a character. On Game of Thrones. That's the color of love. <laughs> there was some of that in this episode, though. So I, I guess that applies. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, it's funny to see the juxtaposition of all this talk about girls and love and mm-hmm. loving girls. And also then with the deaths of so many men of the Night's Watch and the Northern Territories. Yeah. Do you want to get right into it? Let's just, oh, let's just well, do this. Is there any other way? <laughs> are, are we talking about the love? Are we talking about how Maester Eamon just told Sam the fact that he was a yeah. pimp back in his day? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's right. expecting you know, king he, would be. <laughs> he was, he, yeah, he was in line to be king. Um, it's a, it's a real panty melter. When you, uh-huh. you are <laughs> next in line for the throne, <laughs> yeah. ladies just line up. And I did think that that conversation with Master Eamon had what I have identified to be the theme of this episode, which is one of my favorite things, uh, is uh, panty that melters. The <laughs> panty, yeah, basically everybody's panties got melted by the biggest fire the North has ever seen. No, yeah. um, what I was going to say is that line: "Love is the death of duty." We mm-hmm. see that we see that several times um, throughout this episode, both that and its and its inverse, um, and we also see. Sam himself able to straddle that line. The most unlikely character to be able to do it, I think, because he's been painted so much as this cowardly person um, and who, who doesn't know how to swing a sword. He's going to be completely useless in battle. And yet he was kind of a badass throughout this whole oh, yeah. episode. From, from start he was to a finish, certified badass. He was. He was. He, he's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Can they do that for characters now? Sam was fucking fresh he was and he <laughs> he was able to juggle his love of gilly um his love of john and his duty to the wall and to the night's watch um and i i don't think that he fell victim to either side of that equation but other characters did um most notably egret i think she's the one who was not able to do her duty because of the love that she felt not so much as uh, Janos Slint, though, unable to do his job, although right. it wasn't for love. So I think you're right there on, on Egrit. But in terms of just being incapable of acting, you know, it's 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 remarkable to see Pip and the other men of the Night's Watch who are clearly scared and they have conversations about how scared they are still end up, you know, fighting to their deaths or uncertainty, you know, going up against the unknown or right. the known, which in this case are huge woolly mammoths and giants and, you know, giving it their all. As opposed to Slint, who, you know, is really just... Craven. They just... Yeah, he's he's really Craven. I wanted to ask, do you guys know... Uh, we're talking about Matt, Mace Raymond a second ago. And I have a note here. I know that he chose to give up being a Targaryen and to go to the Wall um, to be a Meister there. Do we know why? Could it be that he, it wasn't a choice? This was explained. Mm. Uh, we talked about it during our read-through of... I think it was a Game of Thrones and also yeah. inside of, um, I think the little snippet that we got from the show just during season one, right. where we got to learn of his lineage, that it was sort of a personal decision for him. And, and also a personal decision to, I believe, stay there, right? Uh, through times of crisis. Like he could, he would have a, uh, a bloodline to claim should he choose to, but it would constitute abandoning his brothers. Yeah, it was the same decisions. I mean, John was talking about the hardship that was happening with his family and what Rob was doing in his campaign during the War of the Five Kings. And, and John was reasoning with him and I guess trying to give him his perspective on why he should leave the wall. And this is where Maester Eamon was basically like, listen, I've lived through my own share of shit happening. Yes. Um, the, the large right. rebellion where your father was part of this whole storybook ending, that was my family. I'm glad they mentioned storybooks because um, one of the scenes that I feared we would see tonight 
uh, it was the burning of the library. I mean, if everything else in the wall is on fire, um, at least Meister Eamon's favorite place uh, appears to still be intact. I don't know. Small victories, right, guys? <laughs> I guess. I mean, I don't really care about that. But, uh, you know, with, with Slint, you brought him up. And I think it says a lot about him, no, not only that he went and cowered, um, you know, the same place that, that Gilly was locked away in, but the fact that when Sam shows up later on, it's Gilly who jumps to defend herself and her baby and Slint yeah. still cowering yeah. in the corner. Right. Yeah. He's, he's had a complete mental breakdown. You know, he's on top of the wall and he's put in command by Alistair Thorne and he's talking to John and John says, you know, there's giants on mammoths coming in. They, they don't give a crap about your four inch cold rolled steel. <laughs> and Sl- Slint has this, this dreamy look in his eyes and he was like, there's no such thing as giants. Mm-hmm. It's a storybook. It's it's a, f- a fable for children, and that's when Gren is like, "I'll take care of this." But I think that he is he's cowering because he's out of it. He's completely gone. He's a cowardly man anyway. We've we've known this about him. Um, but he's he's breaks. It, it was so important though because that goes back to really the perspective of everybody who is south of the wall. Yes, they don't. They don't think that anything north of the wall that they've heard stories about are actually real. Right. You know, we see this happen all the time in King's Landing. Different people talking about, you know, uh, grumpkins and Snarks. giants and mammoths <laughs> and all these other things. They don't really exist. They're figments of people's imaginations. They're stories that get told when kids get put to sleep to scare them a little bit. Right. Um, but no, that's uh, nice. Janus, they're actually real, and yeah. you know, he was head of the city watch and. You know, he wasn't much of a leader there either. Remember, he betrays right. Ned. Right. Um, well, because reason... the cowardly thing, which is decide with the side that has more power. Right, and more money. But ultimately, you could say that he's in part responsible for what happened to Ned. Uh, and you know, he goes up to the wall, and his behavior is really no different. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just as cowardly. Yeah. And he looks to save himself before trying to fight for the cause. And, you know, the complete opposite of that, I have to say, I think we should all give it up for Eliza Thorne in this episode. Absolutely. Because yeah. he, he, he answered the call, man. He answered the bell. He was there. He was ready to fight. Yeah. He was seriously injured, but, you know, he, he stood for his men. Now, yeah. can, can somebody explain, uh, unless it's a, a clear spoiler, what happened, uh, to Thorne, um, here? Because I recall him seeing him getting carried away almost inward. To the compound by three men or so. I it looked like he was being taken to the kitchen. I mean, I had a terrible thought that those guys were gonna kill him and eat him. Um, <laughs> they carried like him inward. Did they not carry him like inside? I was like, yeah. man, we'll they're taking him straight episode, to the kitchens. Sure. They keep talking about how they're eating people. Like that was a terrible thought I had. But I'm like, where else? Why would they take him instead of killing him? I don't think the they'd like stop and have a snack in the middle of this battle, though. Yeah, that's the like, weird thing about it. I, they I don't just a mouthful. I don't think it's, it's not clear what's happened to Sir Alistair. <laughs> Except later, the day after, you know, the next morning, they say he has fallen. So, I mean, they right. could be mistaken or they've done a body count. You know, the one thing that I kind of wanted out of the end of this episode, you know, the last few episodes have had so much, so many numbers. We know exactly 100,000 men. It's a rough estimate, but still it's numbers. We don't know how many men fell out of the 102 that mm-hmm. were on the wall after an entire episode that didn't even leave this setting, we don't have a body count. If I had to guess from the battle, I would say about 700 men fell. <laughs> like out of it 102? Seemed, it, yes, out of 102. <laughs> it, did, it, seemed, it seemed like way too many dudes were dying for how many, like at some point they're like, we need more men from atop the wall to fight down here. I was like, they, you don't have anybody else. They're all down here. You, who else are you? Gonna, and then they do. They send men from up top. I'm like, where did they come from? There's nobody up there. <laughs> um, so that was, it was hard to get a sense of the scale of this battle. Um, and I know that this set must be incredibly difficult to work with. I felt like it felt confined. The battle felt like it was raging all over the place, but Castle Black isn't huge. Um, and so you had this, this snowy set. You had the, the set for the, the top of the wall. Um, and then there was, the, that one, the one long shot, did you guys the see? The panorama? Yeah, it was the panoramic, like 360 it degree. It was so good. It was super so, good. Yeah, and I was, was I, like, I was struck by how much work went into choreographing that scene. It was, it was 
really nice. Really, really yeah, they really they really yeah. stepped up the entire episode. The, uh, the the top of the wall obviously being rebuilt and refinished for this entire episode. Right. We got to see uh, the walking and talking at the very beginning. Uh, such a great use of space and, and showing. I think my favorite thing about the top of the wall stuff was the scythe. Uh, I did not I did not anticipate them uh, having that awesome weapon <laughs> baked into the wall. Essentially, they're like, well. We got to we got to do it now, and then they have perfect timing, and they slice all the wildlings off the wall, and they just explode in a blood mist. You know the terrible joke that that's going to play is in daylight. It's going to look like a the bottom of a smiley face on the wall. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> um, it was Red John. Well, has anybody that. ever seen the Mentalist? There's that Mentalist reference right there. There for you. Uh, People say we we gave up on our references of other yeah. you know or new. Zelda's done. Did they say Harry that? Potter's done. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But I, I think, you know, putting all of this into one episode, completely unique, Eric, you mentioned it uh, just before, but the fact that we don't leave one place for an entire episode, it's never happened before, I don't think. I mean, even Blackwater had cutaways and had Daenerys, right. didn't it? I mean, yeah, does this count as like a bottle episode? Am I using that term correctly? Mm, I think you are. But in the books, uh, the, the attack from the South happens first, and that's kind of its own uh, chapter. And then you get uh, the attack coming from the north. So it's a little bit different in terms of how it plays out in sequence. It's not everything happening at one time like you have uh, in this in this episode. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I think it works for TV and it works for the episode to have them happening at the exact same time. It makes for more action, makes for more energy. Um, you know, and, and I thought amazing this episode overall, just in terms of the battle. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that you, I saw a bunch of tweets afterwards that Brian Cogman was retweeting the fact that, you know, movies that spend hundreds of millions of dollars on battle scenes, you know, this TV show was able to do it right in, in a, with a much smaller budget in a much shorter period of time. So, um, you know, just have to give kudos to those who, who produced and made this episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's really one of the biggest takeaways from this episode is that I know that we had kind of a slower pace at the end that was abruptly thrown upon us, but for a good long while there, we were in a continuous action packed frenzy where there wasn't five, six, seven, eight, nine second shots of trees or, or pretty landscapes to cut around to and spend some time because that's the normal padding that you see in television. And if you watch other shows, you'll notice it being a lot less polished than Thrones, but we've come to expect a little more. So coming into this episode and seeing the exact scale that they did make all of this on, I was very, very heavily impressed. And on top of that, the fight choreography, I thought, was just yes. leagues and bounds above anything they'd done yet. And it was really, really cool to see. I mean, everybody in every scene had a sword in hand or a bow. And you're just wondering. And you could follow. The camera followed these arrows from yeah. the bow to the victim. Almost every time an arrow was shot, you saw exactly where it went, You know who fired it. And you really got a sense of space. This is the first time I feel like I'm seeing Castle Black for the first time. In this yeah, episode. exactly. Yeah. Because there's angles. And obviously the whole, you know, with the panorama, the whole courtyard, it had to be developed for this episode. And like, we've never seen these things before. You know, they were always there on the other side. You know, the camera's just not facing that direction. Um, but to have to develop it in all of the, dim- you know, three dimensions and, and then choreograph a fight scene, absolutely 100%. Very um, a complicated thing to do, but uh, very successful, I think. On top of the uh, the panorama shot, I, mean, the, I think you guys are talking about the one where he, it was in the courtyard and it was like yeah. following him through the staircases and oh, through yeah. the doorways. And that was awesome. But I really, really felt like those amazing. Do you remember when they were like, what's that sound from behind? And the camera lifts and basically does an aerial view showing us for the first time the entire view of Castle Black and then shows all of the guys running from the south toward the front gate of Castle Black. And I was like, oh my god! And then, you know, the camera starts going down toward it and the music gets much more violent. It was just like, whoa, this is TV for a minute. I like this. Yeah, when when the wildlings come from the south and climb over the walls. Oh, that was um, intense. That was intense. Yeah, that was probably the really scariest was. moment for me. I was like, oh my God. There's they're just uh, Tormund is is a terrifying character and all the fins are awful. Um oh. and it was it was an interesting contrast to see um Pip says at one point that he's never fought with a blade that had a real edge. And that that took me aback actually for a moment. I was like, what are they training with? At Castle Black, like, are they just training with practice swords? And it, it, it pissed me off. I was like, well, maybe you guys should have swung a real sword now and again. 
But also, I mean, but and I'm sure somebody <laughs> will tear me apart for well, well, Pip uh, was a not he actually not played with who, an edge yeah, sword. Yeah, exactly. I I thought it was interesting to see the difference between these battle hardened wildlings and the castle trained Night's Watch because uh, many of them, you know, there's they've they've had scenes in the past where they're all fighting in the courtyard and Sir Alistair is is drilling them right, um, and so I I feel like that has. That's been what they've been practicing for, but they could not anticipate the insanity that was no. going to be heaped on them by these these wildlings who all they do is kill and eat and sleep, right? I think what really shines through in this episode is the fact that a command structure and the organization of the Night's Watch is the only thing that saved them or was certainly the most um, dominating factor. Right. Because and they, it's pointed out, you know, obviously in the dialogue, I'm not you know, re- reaching too far, hard to find this, but, um, you know, when they say that the wildlings lack organization or direction, um, at such a micro level, and, and then you see people up top of the wall sending people down, you know, John asking for reinforcements or Sam, sorry, Sam asking John for reinforcements and him doing it, mm-hmm. you know, all, all of these things that happen in this episode that serve to win, um, the battle for the crows really wouldn't exist if it weren't for, um, this rigid structure that was sort of imparted upon all brothers. And furthermore, they're everything like uh, when they're guarding the tunnel, you know, trying to defend the tunnel with the giant and they start reciting the oath, the five men, oh, you know, reciting the chills. oath. Yeah, Again, that was it's, pretty, it's so all about good. this structure. It's about your oath. It's about something grander than just sort of the hack them up, you know, defend yourself. It's it's the, the duty of it all. I wish that we had been able to see that fight um with the giant and with Gren. I just assumed yeah. he was going to knock the gate down and it would squash them all. Yeah, um, I thought that too. It, it looked like that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Well, what f- what happened last week was too much, so they they thought that they keep uh <laughs> too many eyes gore to a minimum. <laughs> well, you know, the episode, budgetary restrictions for breaking cold rolled steel is just like outrageous, <laughs> so they just decided to cut away for that moment. <laughs> Do you guys think that the uh the um Sorry, the violence in this episode was greater than the violence in the last episode. <laughs> That's no, it's hard. Actually. No, I don't. I think that this and Mike, I'm sorry to, uh, to interrupt you, but I had this exact thought. I was like, I feel, I feel a bit like um, we have we have a certain expectation when it comes to the level of gore and and how disgusting we're ready for Game of Thrones to be every week now, and it reached new highs last week. And so having people showing the the Fens wielding battle axes and, and slamming them into people's throats, I mean, like maybe six weeks ago, that would have grossed me out. But now <laughs> there's, right. there's no, I'm you, just like, you've Bleh. seen them do enough reckless killing. You're like, people are fighting them back. This is kind of boring. We want to see just, where's the mountain taking care of prisoners for us? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, you're right, because we've had them in that open field or not really an open field, but that little community that they raided where that right. kid first showed up. Right. Molly, right? That's yes. Name. Yeah. And then, you know, Molestown last week. Right. And it's, it's crazy when you can sit here and talk about an episode, which is completely filled from start to finish with battles, but it pales in comparison comparison to the violence that you saw at the end of last week's episode. Yeah, because it was so personal. Strange, yeah. It's very, very personal in that episode. And that, that always ends up happening with violence. I think it's very hard to interpret in, in any context the massive scope of violence unless it becomes very, very personal. Um, and so I think that that's the big difference. Ollie and his parents, you know, Tater, the, the potato boy, um, they, they made him, <laughs> they made it very, very, <laughs> they, they made it very personal. I couldn't remember his name earlier, so I was That's calling him Tater. Um, and then, uh, Tater. Yes. <laughs> and then Prince O'Brien, of course. Um, we knew him so well, but yeah, so I think, I think we knew him so well. We cared about him. And so his death felt so much more personal, but these, these guys at Castle Black are sort of, in most cases, just the nameless, sweaty soldiers, and so we <laughs> we don't have as much um, as much attachment to them. The one the one guy who I think I, I don't remember his name if he if he had one was the the uh, the cook with his cleaver. That was I, I awesome. Him, him yeah. reckon reckon fools with his cleaver. I felt like there was a lot of moments like that within this episode where we were getting a little bit of a nod towards the the fan a fan's fan we had dollars ed up on the wall taking yes. command yes it, oh, it was just like oh just tell us a joke i mean it's too serious but 
survive and tell us another one. You know, like I just thought right. it was, it was that, that, that was beautiful. And of course, yeah, seeing the, the massive cleaver get put to work, those, those little bits were peppered here and there. And I yeah. hate to go back to Maester Eamon, but his whole, I, I feel like, it was it a revelation? Uh, in a lot of ways, it was to me. I was just like, oh my God, am I watching him literally talking about getting with a girl right now? What does this mean for the story? This could mean anything. Anyway, next. And I just, yeah. <laughs> well, who taught Sam about the birds and the bees? Because I feel that there's something tremendously lacking. At the beginning of the episode, one of the first lines Sam is trying to figure out from John what sex is like, he asks... John Snow, how big Egret's feet were. She was, he was being sarcastic. That was a it, joke. Yeah. He was, he asked John what Egret was like and he said, well, she had red hair. And he's like, oh yeah, well, how big were her feet? Yeah. That's not what I'm well, asking. Well, because you. it was not a detail that was, <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know. That's starting yeah. to paint a picture, but the feet thing threw me off. I was like, does he think that that has anything to do with? I don't think, no. Her? No, he was just, <laughs> okay. they were sorry. Well, right, actually, Eric, right. it does here. There's he this, likes uh, feet. Now that's what it is. Okay. Now it's a feet guy. He likes to See, and suck when a man feet. loves a woman and when they love each other very much. <laughs> Maybe I just have to take been off their shoes. They buy each other shoes. <laughs> they buy each other <laughs> shoes. Yeah, that's what you do. Um, I did like the scene where he he goes to Gilly and he's saying that he's got to go fight, and then he just plants the smackaroo on her. And I oh, yeah. out loud, I was like, "Damn well, Tarly. <laughs> Damn, Damn well, Tarly. Well, yeah." <laughs> and then she's like, "Promise me you won't die," and he's like, "I promise." And I was like. Not a great yeah. track record on that line, guys. I thought yeah, he was going to die up. after he said that. I got yeah. sad immediately when that happened. He's I did. Pulling up, pulling it's rough being on Sully going into an episode like this. Let me just yeah. say, it's just yeah. like, well, anything could happen. I literally mm-hmm. thought, guys, going into this episode, that everyone was going to die. And that especially <laughs> especially set in when that first uh, vertical shot happened, that, that wide aerial. And I just oh, saw yeah. all of the men. I was just like, there's no, there is no way. They the the entire time the mammoths were were doing their thing with the giants mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. gate. The entire time I wasn't looking at it and thinking this is this looks great. I can't believe this is TV. I, I, the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, why didn't they flood the fucking tunnels? Right, this is bullshit. Right, literally they would have to climb if you flooded the fucking yeah. well, tunnels. That's, then they also the Night's Watch wouldn't be able to go north and do their duty to protect the realm. <laughs> Yeah, You're whatever right. that means. <laughs> whatever the hell that means when you have a <laughs> Why would you go, to north? go north? They don't need to go north. <gasps> they don't need to go north. But Thorne admitted it. He did. Yeah, he he did. gave some props to John good. at the beginning of this episode. It was big, nice to see. Big of him. Very big yeah, of him. Yeah, he was like, we're going to live through this, and then we're going to go back to hating each other. So let's just get – it was kind of like a like – a, all right. Al, sir, you're putting this shit behind you so that you can actually do your duty. That's why I, nice. I think that he's not really completely dead. Like I, I think he was seriously injured. I don't. I don't think that fallen necessarily means that he's dead. I just, you know, right. it means that he's incapacitated on some level. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. They wouldn't have put the shot Partially. in of him being pulled inside if yeah, he they would have just killed him. Dead. Yeah, he would have died. That's true. But on top of that, I just think that, and realistically, this character has been almost redeemed or completely absolved of all of his past transgressions. And I know that he's yeah. a, a very unpleasant person, but it's forgiveness is a very interesting thing. And in that moment, at that big of a situation with so much on the table, he would, he would, he let go of all of his bullshit and just laid it out. And he went yeah. out there and he kicked ass. He did. And he did. I was ass. just like, you know what? Yeah. That, that was the great. question is then for, for the rest of you, uh, well, specifically the, the non book readers. Who did you want to win, Thorn or Tormund? I wanted Thorn to win. Yeah, I wanted Thorn to kill Tormund. And along those lines, I really wanted to say, looking at the actual count, though, you're talking about who's leading these people into battle. Both um, Mance Raider and Tormund are still alive, and they took Tormund, you know, for questioning or whatever. Probably a good idea. Um, but at the same time, seeing them both alive, and then uh, you assume that Thorn has fallen, Slint is, in, you know, still alive, I guess, but. Just in terms of the real generals of the battle are still alive shows that there's still a fight to come. Mm-hmm. It was very abrupt in a lot of different ways. And I think we're seeing a lot of disappointment from book readers that are expecting other things to come, which um, that kind of sucks. <laughs> I was I was hoping yeah. for a little bit more, too. I, I, I can't yeah. believe I cannot believe that next week is the finale. Yeah. And it's got there's a lot that a lot of stuff that. Is going to have to be covered. Yeah. With John's mission now, all of a sudden, he has decided 
that he doesn't he doesn't want command of the whole wall. I guess I don't well, know if that's true. I, mean, I think he, I don't wants, think that's he true. wants to be. He's giving it up for this opportunity to go and slay Mance. Do you think he's on a vengeance quest for the death of you know Egret um, or? I think that he's doing what he can to protect the one thing that he's in charge of anymore. I think that this is his last ditch effort. He's not giving anything up. But if he wants Castle Black to stand in any way, he's he's got to do this, or so he thinks, right? This isn't him giving up command. This is him trying to save his brothers. Yeah, this is his last ditch effort. I mean, he yes. did all of the math. And like he said, I can either stay and we can fight them and lose, or I can go and at least try this, and that could work. But either way, I'm going to die. Right. So... Let's just see what happens. I'll roll the dice. And it, it might not be a suicide mission, you know? That yeah. there, anything, anything could happen. We just saw in the preview, um, we had, he was having a face to face sit down meeting with having a conversation with Mance. So clearly they don't kill him that on sight. That was so odd. That was just right? so odd. I'm like, I do not expect these two men to be talking. I don't. Right. Yeah. Oh, it'll be an God. interesting, it'll be an interesting conversation. I mean, even sure. if he can get into whatever camp Mance mm-hmm. is at, how does he get out? It's it's so and it better not be a, a damn cliffhanger for next season. <laughs> it could be. Uh, it could of course be. it will be. Yeah, of course right. it'll be a cliffhanger. This uh, next think- this next episode is gonna be sixty six minutes long. It really <laughs> oh, do yeah? so much in sixty six minutes. Oh yeah. well it, it makes so up much. for this one. Yeah, um, I know, I was bummed. Was not very long at all. It was probably right. what, fifty two minutes if if that long. I mean it went it went to nine fifty two, but I think it started a little after nine o'clock here. I think what we're looking at in this situation, the way it was ended and the way that certain plot points were carried out, I think that clearly we're seeing for the sake of the flow of the entire season, like let's get more people to watch next week and it's the big, 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 big episode of the finale. Mm-hmm. You know, they they took that decision to say this episode will suffer some in order to make, you know, the, the cliffhangerness for the next one yeah. even greater. And yeah. and that's kind of a sense. rough decision, but I doubt that's something that is made on a creative level. I, I guarantee you that's got to be something to do with the network where they just have yeah. a way that they like to carry out these kinds of things. And I, that's I think, a great point. I think that I've read too that their, their CGI budget is the biggest in the finale as well. So Interesting. This, this bottle episode, if that, if that is the correct term, um, I think that they they had a decent amount of CG that you have to do in order to make the wall work because mm-hmm. you have this gigantic ice wall and you needed the giants and the mammoths. And so um, I think that they ended up having to spend a lot of that money on whatever's coming in the next episode. You know, something I read on Wicknet was, was awesome was before the visual effects were completed or sorry, before the CGI was completed. Um, I think it was David and Dan were quoted in an article as, as saying that they love what Neil Marshall did and that the episode worked even without the special effects. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a heck of a, an indicator that once, you know, it's, it's finished and polished and with the music, which in this episode I think was standout, yeah, the best it was really beautiful. that's ever been. Can we say that? Maybe. I mean, yeah. just, they literally had music tracks behind Tormund's fighting. It was like snarling yeah. with him as he fought. <laughs> like, he literally got his own custom soundtrack. These good. are the kinds of touches that we don't see in television shows, people. You know what I mean? Like this is this is not normal. And I was just taken aback, honestly, by by how insane that part was, but mm-hmm. about how, you know, juxtaposed with everything at the end. And it just kind of makes me so furious because I know that next week is just going to blow us all away so yeah. much. We've so long lived through these last couple of seasons, right, with episode nine being the episode. Mm. And really now we're looking towards the finale actually being a finale, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't had a, f- a true finale. It's, right, it's been they've, more- They've all been falling fierce. actions. Yeah, they've all been falling actions of episode nine, right? Sure. The Red Wedding, uh, Blackwater, Ned's beheading, you know, going all the way back. I mean, right. you could say the ending with Daenerys in episode, you know, or in season one was was pretty epic. But, you know, since oh, then- yeah. It it's it hasn't kind of lived up to the episode that took place before that. And I think in this season, and we've talked about it, we've had so many quote episode nines that, that have taken That's place. True. So many huge <laughs> events That's true. that for this to live up to those episodes that have come before it in prior seasons and in this season, it had to be really, really good. And I think the episode as a whole was amazing. The battle oh, was yeah. amazing. No question. The ending left something to be desired and i think that it was just weak it was it it seemed weak it was to me. weak yeah it okay, was okay okay but weak how like can you quantify because well no weak. because you have to watch the finale and then you might you i hope you'll better understand why we're saying that right uh, yeah no, and I, I think for me the reason this episode as as 
like all of the good things that I've said about this episode, I completely stand by. However, I think that this episode as a whole, and this is going to be a very unpopular opinion, I'm sure I'm just going to say it. Um, I thought it was a little boring because I'm not, I'm not a person who's watching this show for the battle scenes. I'm not, I'm not watching it for, um, violence or for, uh, men dying in large groups. I'm watching it because it's, uh, politically intriguing. Um, I'm watching it because I love following threads of storylines that, that the show doesn't, it just assumes that you're smart enough to, to put the clues together. Um, I like, I like the intellectual demand that this, this show places on me. And I didn't get that today. I think it was there. I just think you had to look hard. Kate, what about Pip? <laughs> oh, okay. The crossbow. I prefer to, I prefer to see <laughs> so a battle sad. though once in a while, rather than, especially the battles that happen in the books. <laughs> When sure. we find out that the wall has been attacked, for instance, I would hate for them to browse over it and never show it. For I mean, this episode, because as you say, it's a, a bottle episode, and I strongly believe that's the right t- word for it. But, um, you know, you could watch this season without this episode. Um, yes. Because it, you can just, you can just pull it out and it doesn't affect any of the other storylines. Right. And, but then you would be missing. Not just the sacrifice that these men made and the death of fairly well-known crows, because we do like some of these guys. Sure. Um, but I, I really do feel like there is something to be said about an episode that is sustained by battle. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's boring. Um, there were certainly issues that I had with this episode um, in dialogue, actually mostly between Sam and just his promises to Gilly that he can't possibly keep. But sure. Really, in the in the end, I mean, the character moments were still here, and and you do get these these this interplay between these men who've let's face it, they haven't had a real uh, reason or a real call to action like this before, and so to see it, it kind of felt like paying off everything that the Night's Watch are. In fact, their existence at the northern border, because otherwise they're just standing around, yeah, shivering no, fingers. A hundred percent, yes. I think that this this was a battle that the season has been building toward. Um, and it needed to happen because we just, we keep visiting the wall and they're like, the wildlings are coming. And then they go back to another story and you're like, okay, well, maybe the wildlings could arrive, you know? And so I think that, um, we, we have, we deserve to have this very gratifying battle scene. Um, I, I think that the point that you made earlier, Eric, which is that you could pull this episode out and not only enjoy the rest of the season without it, but also enjoy it as its own thing. Like it's its own uh, interesting. Yeah. Like a little miniature film. Um, maybe that's what bothers me. I, I think that there's no, there's no, besides the, the payoff of battle, there's, there's no storyline that's been advanced here. Like you could just say the wildlings are coming. And then five minutes later, Yay! Most of us are still alive, and then yeah, and have move John, on, right? John kind of crawling out of the gate and being like, "Okay, I'm one of the only survivors left. We have to yeah. go find Mans." I like this decision, though, from the showrunners. I, I like that they were as bold enough to say, "This is the book. This is the story. This is something that is massively important, and not only because we're reading it and because we like it and we enjoy it and because it's canon." But because in this overarching story that hopefully will be played out over many more seasons and many more books, right now we're living a massive piece of history. There's, you know, a hundred thousand men of a united northern forces that just doesn't happen. Mance has united sure. all of these tribes. We're yeah. living in the history of it happening. You know, this is something that if in Westerosian history in the future people are looking back and telling stories about, this is gonna be mm-hmm. considered on the same scales as a lot of those other majestical oh, yeah. things from the past that we hear about. Certainly. And so it's like we kind of had to do it, you know, like it, it had, it had to be done that the showrunners, the people, everyone involved had to make this episode and they had to make it like this. Did they have to cliffhang it in, in a certain way? Maybe not, but I feel like the decision to approach the scene from the end of the last episode and the way they did it. And in a lot of ways they approached the scenes in this episode, I think were the kinds of decisions that book readers are going to look back on and diehard fans are going to look back on later and like appreciate that it was a decision they made that made it maybe less Hollywoody and maybe like less TV viewable in a perfect way, but really did a good job of conveying just the the highly polished kind of TV that they're making, which is like unlike 
anything anyone else is making. I, I think I want to like um, there's there's a point I want to kind of guess at uh, here. Micah and Kate can help me out, but I no. also think it was important from a narrative storytelling standpoint to have an episode that doesn't go away anywhere else. Um, because with the upcoming season, I think they're going to have. You know, well, not upcoming. I mean, next year's season. With next season, I think they're probably going to have to make some interesting storytelling choices in how to deal with the cast and the characters, um, just based on the very few things I have heard about the next book, um, and the few things that have leaked with, you know, in regards to an entire new cast. So, I mean, keeping the old ones, making the balances, they're going to have these episodes that have very weird, very different, jarring type of, of, you know, story, of, storylines that are visited and i think it's important to show as well that the show can exist with just one storyline being touched on an episode in fact i think of an episode upcoming that may just take place in the east or an episode upcoming that may just take place solely at king's landing with no detracting you know other storylines and Mm -hmm. that's something that interests me in terms of do you think they could be setting up for the future and the way that they might have to handle you know because Game of Thrones has always been so interspersed. That's true to this to the structure of the books, in my opinion, because you have all of these point of view characters, and you're jumping around storylines all the time, um, and so you often don't get a sense of of uh, completion from those sto- from those chapters. You know, they they leave off, they pick up, um, other things are happening, and you know they're happening, but the characters don't know. Um, so I think that I think that the structure of jumping around between storylines works really well personally oh yeah Yeah. no i I won't i won't disagree at all although i will say um that i really felt in other episodes where they have cut away that they've kind of gotten out of having to show a lot of what we saw in this episode which is uh, an entire you know full look all the way around again panorama but 360 degree view of the wall you know whenever something is challenging in previous episodes, it seems like they just cut away or don't show it. Or, right. you know, we yep. get a very bottle or not bottle. That's the wrong word, but we get a very straight view of each of the environments. Whereas here we really got, it felt like we got to explore it, not just because of the time that was uh, devoted to it, but it, it also just felt like there was no cap on the budget or any of those other things that would cause them to skip around, you know, a whole heck of a lot between different narratives. The fact that they could just stay in one place and show us all of that place was really intriguing to me. Well, it's the first time that they've done it in four seasons. Oh, yeah, four thirty-eight episodes, 39 episodes. I don't think that it's going to become something that they're going to do on a regular basis. I think that it's been building to this, and it's also a situation where you have a number of different characters that you've been following mm-hmm. for a period of time all in one place. You know, Sam's finally back at the wall. John's finally back at the wall. You know, Eliza Thorne is there. You have Ygritte, you have Tormund, you have uh, the Magnar of Then. They're all in one area, you know, and, and they had to wrap the story. You have Mance Raider now coming from the north, and it's your chance to do this epic battle scene. Again, in the books, it happens in separate chapters. Right. So you have the advance from the south, that all takes place, and then you have what, what comes down from the north. So it is, you know, a, a little bit different, but for TV, it makes sense to do it this way. What Kate said is important, though. I don't think that you have to like every episode. I think that you know part of doing this podcast is that you can have differing opinions. You're not. We're not always going to get on here and say, "Oh, this is the best episode I've ever seen." I think what probably bothered book readers more than anything else was that they have very high expectations for this finale. There is a lot that takes place on a number of different in a number of different storylines, and I think what they felt at the end of this episode was that things could potentially be compromised in that finale based on what was not included in this episode. And so I I, th- I don't necessarily think it's unhappiness with this episode overall. I think it's unhappiness for the potential that things could not be wrapped up the way that they anticipate in the season finale, and. When you talk about the timing of the episode, the fact that it was maybe left 10 minutes on the table, you know, I think that they could have done this all in one episode. They could have wrapped this storyline and left Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. until next season. In 10 minutes? Potentially, yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's, there's, not to give too much away, but there's, there would have been um, a very easily impactful thing they could have done. However, um, I'm, I'm not wanting to go into too much detail there, but wanting to revisit another thing that sort of bothered me about this episode was that um and i try not to get too 
whiny about differences between the show and the books because I actually really enjoy them, as I've mentioned in other episodes. Um, but I wanted to mention that Pip and Gren do not die <laughs> in the books. <laughs> and um, I thought that was a, an egregious change. And it was because it seemed to me that they wanted that, as I said before, that personal connection to death. Then, and you weren't going to get it from a character that you loved unless they killed off um, someone like Pip and, and Gren or both for no reason. <laughs> um, and because mm-hmm. Egret's death, you don't like her anymore. You know, no. she's she's not a sympathetic character anymore. And John, one for Ollie. I know Ollie and his like bro nod. He's like he's like yo, <laughs> bro I got you. you I, I got that. you. Um, and John mourns Egret, and I I understand, and I was trying very hard to sympathize with the way they both felt about each other, and Ugh, the fact that they phrase, clearly still love each other, and her stupid catchphrase. I was like, man, they could have, they could have just not, could you just not? But anyway, I I think that Egret's death wasn't going to come off personally enough, so they, in my opinion, needlessly car- killed off two characters that were adorable and did not need to die. You guys alone can say whether or not they have important things to do in the future. Um, sure. But uh, I did I did find their deaths impactful as a viewer and, and knowing them, knowing that they didn't necessarily die here um, puts me in an interesting position as a non-book reader because I'm like, well, that's pretty much the sign-off saying they're not going to do anything important the rest of the books um, if it's okay for them to be killed or you know something like that. The question I had for... Mike, I guess, talking about how the attacks come in different waves. I, I don't think it was entirely different in this episode in, in one way because the the only thing you have to worry about outside besides people climbing the wall is that little gate. And the gate was more or less, you know, taken care of. The the big issue, I felt that the battles were pretty separate. Even though they're occurring at once, you do have people, you know, fighting the majority on the ground and then you have separate people making sure that people just can't get to the top of the wall. So it still felt like two separate battles to me. Um, even though they were happening at once and you had a few men be sent from the top to the bottom, it still was very, for me, two different battles. Um, and so actually this whole episode felt like there were two battles. It is two different battles, but I mean, the thing is you're not having to fight off the Thens and the wildlings that are coming from the South at the same time that you're fighting what's coming from the North. Right. So, uh, yes, you're right. It, it was, very much two battles in the show, but it was set up a little bit differently. I just can't wait to watch this again with proper loading times. <laughs> you know? Oh, proper loading <laughs> Without times. the whole world the... trying to watch it at the same time as me. Yes. Because I'm just looking forward to, to seeing all of the small details again. I'm thinking specifically of, of Jon Snow leaping out of the lift before it makes its way down right? to the ground. And it's that like amazing, he, was, like, link roll. But it was like three feet above the ground. Like, he could have just waited a minute. <laughs> no, listen, no, listen. It's like the closest I've ever been to this is organized sports, and you don't wait for it to hit the ground. You jump, you roll, you kill three wildlings you with a flourish. You know that reminding awesome. me of that scene in Galaxy Quest where Tim Allen is rolling and Sigourney yes. Weaver is walking, and she's like, does the rolling help? And he's yeah. like, kind of. <laughs> kind yes. of helps. He's like dodging, Computer. rolling around corners, and she's just like shaking her head. That's exactly how I felt. I was I, Sigourney Weaver yeah. in that scene. Oh, like, my really? God. Um, but you know what? It's funny because I, I, I wrote a note down. I guess it was one in the beginning when Sam was going down to the bottom, and I was just like, in case of fire, don't use elevator. <laughs> like, they don't really have that luxury um, in this option. But regarding the no. fire, um, something was pointed out to me at the beginning of uh, my watching of this episode tonight with friends that I don't know if it was said about the Blackwater episode uh, that Neil Marshall directed also, uh, that there was to be found in nearly every shot of the episode, an open flame. Um, mm. This was nearly every shot had an open flame in it. And uh, that, more or less, to be honest, held true in this episode as well. Even if it was flames in the distance or flames in the lower left-hand corner, upper right-hand corner, whatever, there's pretty much, I mean, there is fire in every shot. Mike was talking earlier about Slint um, having to you know, well, basically regressing, we all were actually, about him basically regressing, talking about children's stories and fables. Um, what I thought of during watching this episode was they showed the Then leader uh, warging into the owl, and the mm-hmm. owl perches on top of the wall. And I think it. I think one of the crows, like, sees the owl, too, and is just like, hey, Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the center? You know, he has no, he has no recognition um, of the fact that this is an owl 
that is being warped into. And I feel like that is a failure akin to what Micah was saying earlier about how every man, woman, child in the, in the free world here in Westeros really believes that giants don't exist, that dragons are fake, that all of these things that are in the stories never actually happened. And I feel like as, you know, maybe men of the northern border, they should be trained better to recognize some of this shit that's happening up north. Seeing that the Fen was a warg, and knowing that Bran, who's a warg, is going up north and to find a source of power of some sort that seems to be causing this type of magic, I think it would be really smart for these men to be better, and not just better prepared, but for an oral history or written history, because they have a library, to have been passed down that would that would kind of give these guys some damn more tools, some more damn tools well, Eric, to develop. Wait, yeah. Are you suggesting that, I mean, in, if I'm understanding you correctly, yeah. I mean, they... They would then have to like see every bird and animal and insect and be like, ah, it could be a warg. Look, like, they're, <laughs> they're, well, they're on top of the wall for one. There's no, sure. there's no, there are no sources of food on top of the wall. So if you see a bird on top of the wall and it's not one of your own crows carrying a message, ravens carrying a message, you can probably kill it. You probably want to anyway because you're on an ice fortress and there's no damn food. So I feel like they had other concerns though. You know, like that this, this battle was about to be on their doorstep and they're making a lot of preparations. Don't forget mm-hmm. there are 102 of them. Um, so the, having someone on bird duty is probably not a, a luxury they can afford. I, I think it, I'll give you the fact that it's definitely odd for there to be an owl sitting on top of the wall. Um, but I also agree with Kate that they had other things that they were concerned with. And um, you know, should John have maybe recognized after he had been attacked um, last season um, by Orel's eagle at one point, and you know, in the books, he actually gets cut right by his eye. So, I mean, it's it's a pretty serious wound um, that is inflicted upon him. So, I look, I think these men believe in you know many more things than others do that are not at the wall. Uh, they clearly um, have experienced White Walkers, and they know that there is some magical power out there. So if there are white walkers, why not wargs? Why not giants? Why not mammoths? And now they've seen all these things. Um, should they be taught on it? Maybe, but I don't think, you know, that, that they have the resources. We, when we get to Castle Black, it's depleted. You know, there's only, you know, East Watch by the Bay and, um, Shadow Tower, the Shadow Tower, right? So, you know, it's very limited. It's not, um, as if the wall is fortified in the same way where it can have the same level of training possibly and have the same level of study as in the past. Right. Uh, but I want I want to talk about you know some of these other deaths that occurred in this episode, particularly uh, Ygritte. And you know, did you see this coming? The non-book readers, obviously, um, with everything that happened with Tater, as we're now calling him, <laughs> um, leading up to this. Um, up to this episode because they did do a fair bit of foreshadowing. I, I thought everyone was going to die. So oh, that's right. You said that <laughs> when I when when I when when this happened, um, I was very sad. I was just like, no. And then that's about all I could feel because mm-hmm. it, I mean we were in the middle of a battle. It was it was pretty the way they clutched each other and the camera slowly moved away and I, I mean I really I really enjoyed all of it and I'm glad that it was the kid that did it because at the end of the day it's a little tiny bit of retribution on his end and it was less of a I'm gonna get mad at someone else like for a second I thought it was gonna be Sam because he had that crossbow earlier and I thought maybe he'd snuck out somewhere and shot an arrow because I just maybe he doesn't like Egret the way he makes his friend she's just like well, I, you know sometimes sam. you get like a jealous of your like friend's girlfriend or something he just yeah. maybe if you, you think know. about it it was sam though because sam told the kid to arm himself yeah but the kid i mean she killed his parents or you know with the thin raided. she had a hand yeah, yeah raided his village um, my surprise is that john didn't also get shot you know you don't want to shoot somebody who's holding a gun because the gun might go off you know that sort of thing so i was just glad that she kind of made an effort to set the bow and arrow down after she got unexpectedly killed you know that yeah, thing was that yeah. thing was poised it was ready to fire i mean it was a dangerous situation to be in for anybody choosing to kill her right then and there it's just uh, unfortunate for these characters to be locked in this situation whatsoever and i think that 
you know, the, the bit with Tormund at the end was a, another great sort of view into what John was going through a season ago. Whereas, you know, I didn't feel that much animosity between them two. I know that he was being captured and at this, for a second, I'm sure he, he imagined he was about to be executed. And I think he knows that he's, you know, off to be questioned, as they say. He's just kind yep. of expecting it, and he's probably expecting to resist their interrogation for a time. And the uh, Magna of Then, who got... Uh, the hammer in the head. Yeah, MC hammered. You know, I was surprised Ygritte didn't kill him, honestly, and then point the arrow at John, because she made it very clear that she wanted John for herself. I had and, the same thought, yeah. Right? So when this big-ass guy comes and is, like, really nearly killing John... Um, smashing his face into the anvil, for instance, would have been a great time for Egret to fire that arrow. I was there, standing there cheering, going, "Hey, Egret, fire that arrow now! You know, kill one of your own, but in order so that you get to kill John and still falter and and not do it." But I'm glad John was able to pull the hammer. I did want to bring up one more thing, though, uh, before we wrap this up and get to our owns. The ending of this episode reminded me a lot of the episode. I don't know if it was at the end or if it was just in. You know, somewhere in the episode, but when Sam says goodbye to Bran mm-hmm. and Hodor, it's it was almost the same type of shot. Oh yeah, where they're walking off north of the wall. True. I, like I still that. don't like the ending. Did Sam but... just have like an automatic garage door opener or something? He just pushed a button and the gate. He opened. waved. He waved his open flame. <laughs> you didn't see the open flame get waved. I don't know how you missed that. No, he really did. He waved. Are we joking? The torch. Is, there, is, is this a joke? No, on no. Me? He waved a torch and. Who was looking at that? Who's who's so at the top the of the door wall? opener? Already the important questions we raise in the podcast. Ollie, it was Ollie <laughs> Tater. <laughs> we'll go more in depth into this episode later on in the week, but I think it's that time. You know what time it is? It's own time. So who wants to own? I want to do mine so that you guys don't take it. Um, the giant with the giant arrow that yeah. Yeah. came through, <laughs> yeah. and that damn shot. Oh my god. Yeah. The one that the one that made contact with an unfortunate brother of the Night's Watch. Um and just for morale's sake, where that body landed with the largest it must have been like an all metal arrow, um, where it landed right in the middle of the courtyard black as, arrow. as the men were fighting. Um yeah, it was like mm-hmm. a spear. Quickest way over the wall. It's really a harpoon. Except <laughs> it is the quickest way over the Damn. wall. <laughs> That's fantastic. He should just be yeah, shooting his brethren over. I thought he got grinned with it for a second. I was really sad. Yeah, me too. That actually would have been better, to be honest with you. If they were going to kill him off, they should have done it in an epic way. I mean, I, it I wasn't did, an epic way. He was certainly... No, I think Grin, yes. died very yes. epically. I liked his death. Pip, but I just on the other he hand, didn't need to die. They could have done that to Pip. Uh, it was yeah. sad, and we'll get into it on, on Friday. Yeah. Uh, there's so much more to owns. talk about, damn it. Owns. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give my own to Ghost, because Good call. Uh, he, he gets unleashed... John John uses ghosts and it's super effective. It was. Why the hell didn't they do that first? Like, well, I'm just glad Ghost is okay. Why Why were we 40 minutes into the episode before Ghost gets unleashed? Like, and he's, he says this line to Sam. He's like, "I need him more than I need you." And I was uh-huh. like, "Ouch, bro." I, I thought, <laughs> you, know, you know it's true. I thought, I thought it was the key to Amon's quarters or something. Like, go get Amon. <laughs> He's going to turn into a dragon and kill Mace everyone. Mace Amon, exactly. he like comes out yo- all Yoda. And we he's yeah. just like bouncing the, around. the blood of the dragon. That's what oh, I he could. Oh, absolutely. I have full faith in Maester Amon. He could totally do that. At first, I was like, why is Maester Amon locked in his room? To this uh, I have to give my own to Eliza Thorne for reasons already stated. I think he owns most of the episode. Yeah. Some of our hearts. Surprisingly, of his, uh, yeah. Willingness to admit that he was wrong to John on top of the wall. And then his willingness to be the first to lead the charge uh, when he heard that the wildlings were attacking from the south, uh, his pretty epic battle with Tormund, um, and we'll see what uh, what happens to him moving forward. But uh, hopefully, given this change of character a bit, um, he might be a good person for John to have around moving forward. You know, you've you've told us your dislike for him so vehemently over the past few years, <laughs> and you knew this. You knew this, and that makes it worse. Well, first of all, he was referred to as Snape, right? So right. Snape has that redeeming moment uh, in Deathly Hallows. So no spoilers, Micah. I still haven't read. Maybe this is maybe this is his uh, redeeming moment. Oh, okay. Well, I will give my own to a Mister John Snow for kicking ass in seventeen different ways. He rose up to be i let's just call him lord commander right now just just for just for one episode lord commander snow that How was kind of cool that? 
Lord Commander, name of a bastard, not highborn, but just kicked ass. Doing the role, uh, incredible blocking in the fight scenes. I thought it was great, but just, I felt like it was strange, but for a moment, the wall was comfortable. I know we were in the middle of a battle, but I felt like the guys, you know, with John and Gren and his buds, like calling the shots, I just felt comfortable and I felt like they were actually going to work hard because for so long we've had to deal with stuff at the wall not being exactly what we needed to be and they've always taken orders from stubborn people but i felt like these guys were like uh it was kind of like the battle of hogwarts almost in a way when the kids are making decisions it sort of felt that way where it was like all right i'm gonna trust you right now and i think that the trust that they all had in each other and and just how awesomely they were all fighting was not only cool to watch in the tv show but for me really helped me like these characters even more can i say also that Jon snow is trending in the u.s and they don't spell his name right (laughs) <laughs> really? Alright, well in lieu of spelling things correctly I think it's all time for us to move toward A more you-centric part of our show Where we say things that you wrote to us Over this majestical evening Yes, we are recording right after it's over This is Eric Skull, reads the tweets in However long it takes for less. Go! Eddie Bogoslowski says I don't have to watch another second To know that, quote, Pip opened the fucking gate And, quote, is the own of the episode Kevin Bloomfield says, Owen to Sir Alisair for being an asshole who knows how to lead. They're Rutgers and you don't always like them, but you'll defend them. All right. Okay. David Ludwig, uh, quote, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Somber. Nostalgic own right there. Somber. Barry Larson, this week's own is to the director, Neil Marshall, for that awesome long shot that showed the whole battle on that gate. Yeah. Very cool. Giselle G says, my own goes to Gren. He held the gate and owned the giant. And nearly seconds later, from Michael Ash, same thing. Owned to Gren for defending the gate and killing a giant. I miss you, Gren. You know, those four men who assisted Gren are not getting any love thus far. And Gren's friends. friends. Nathan Larson says, so many own-worthy moments, my own goes to the big ass-swinging axe. <laughs> I love that thing. I just called it an anchor, but I guess it was more than that. <laughs> just like, they, called it, they called it a scythe, I believe. Side, I'm yep. so glad that they that they put that in. Amy Wilson says, First time I cried for a Game of Thrones death. Really, this is heartless. Quote, remember that cave? Question mark. Quote. Was it tears of joy or laughter? When facing death, the best place to live is in the past. Yes, Amon says something very similar in this episode. Bill Bennett says, John Henry Snow owns a hammer, <laughs> and he knows how to use it. Yes, he does. Manuel Paredes says this episode owned the audience by leaving us with sword cuts, a hammer in head, and an arrow through our collective throats. Very clever. I like that. You know, in the middle of all of these owns on Twitter, we have a question from Benjamin Smith. What happened? Exclamation, exclamation, question, <laughs> question, exclamation, exclamation. OMG, did Ned Stark come back from the dead and re-kill Joffrey? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. I'm fully expecting that in the finale. A lot is promised for next episode. <laughs> Ned Stark is a headless White Walker. Dead Stark. Game of Thrones. Dead Stark. <laughs> yeah, Dead Stark. I'm Dead Stark. Because Ned rhymes with dead guys. Uh, uh-huh. guys get it? Steve, get it? Yeah. Steve, like Dead Stark. Steve, Steve Harvey. Steve from Philly says, Ollie Own. That's it. That's just the tweet. Ollie Own. Agreed. Ollie Own. Ollie uh, did. Judd Blevins. Steve Own Judd? goes to Gren for telling Slint to GTFO and for rallying <laughs> his plan. brothers. Definitely agree. That was the most badass moment for Gren, I thought, in this episode. It was great. I loved it. Kevin A. says, Sam owned by finally kissing Gilly and taking charge. It was consensual. Jill agrees. Mine goes to Sam for owning Gilly's lips. And finally, Rachel Edmondson says, My own goes to the mammoth because, well, (laughs) he's a fucking mammoth. And that was Eric Skull. However long it took him or less. Fantastic, Eric. I like the mammoth one. Oh, yeah. That was a, a woolly... I just saw the mammoth on TV again. He stepped on somebody when he was running That's away. That's what you do when we're reading the tweets. You're watching it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, don't despair, people. It's uh, something we'll be doing probably frequently over the course of this week before we bring you our next episode, which I think will go even, even deeper inside of what we've seen. I just feel like we've we talked about deeper. swords and shields. There are souls to be spoken of, people. Mm-hmm. And we got to look ahead to the finale, what we think is going to yeah. happen, possibly. Check out that preview. I want to dissect that preview. Oh, yeah? Yes. There's something, yes, there's I like do. a two-headed creature, maybe two dragons in close corridors, but I couldn't quite tell. Could be. So we will look forward to your owns being placed to us throughout the week, because we will probably be needing them to assist us in our episode. Mm-hmm. And those much-needed iTunes reviews as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We're not on iTunes. Nope. <laughs> we read uh, tweets uh, from this evening's episode uh, that were sent to us via our Twitter, which is twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Guys, the wall is still standing, and you know what this means. It means that there is still time to scrawl upon our wall our Facebook wall, of course, facebook.com mm-hmm. slash Game of Owns for that. And you can still email us. The lines are still open because the men did not dig underground and sever those connections. So email us at contact at gameofowns.com and your email will be promptly uh, received and read. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. we read those on the show as well, as are iTunes reviews. As Eric mentioned, uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes and uh, we'll hopefully read them Sometime in the near future, I'm not going to commit to any day. Uh, <laughs> we'll try week. for Friday, but we'll see. We're going to try for Friday, at least to pull a few, maybe like <laughs> five or so. We know that they're there. <laughs> we see them. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it is a great way for others to find out that we exist. You know, it's, um, tell the others about us. It's a big world. It's a big world out tell there. The others. You know, we loved them. You taking a, a few moments out of your day to just head on over to the place you download us and let us know that you enjoy listening to us. <laughs> we're we're going to put you in, if you don't rate and review us at least five stars, we're going to put you in an underground tunnel with a big ass giant. Yeah, try to hold that gate. <laughs> Man, you guys like to, to like blackmail and threaten our listeners, don't you? Oh, yeah, that's what we do. That's it used our to thing. be a thing. <laughs> yeah, oh, the way it works. We'll bring it back. I see. Yeah, we've had some really, really crazy threats. <laughs> when Christian came on for the first time, we had him to give a threat, and he threatened to slap people with his Hodor penis if they didn't. Oh, my God. He texted yeah. me a picture of that once. <laughs> what? Oh, God. But it wasn't attached to his body. It was, like, on his bathtub. Well, that's good. It was It was good is, a, is one word for it. <laughs> Alarming is another. No, it's good that it wasn't attached to his body, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and on that note... Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of all ages out there, we lost many brothers of the Night's Watch this evening, and as well as uh, you know a number of the free folk uh, who were fighting for a cause. And so, the next time you go to a local pub or brewery or have a drink at home, be sure to pour one out for the lost brothers of the Night's Watch. And pour one out for us, the lost friends of Game of Owns. We'll see you on Friday. See you then. Dinklage, <laughs> <laughs> take it away, Kate. Take it away. Uh... La, 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 la. <laughs>